As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 97, big arm. Yeah, Tanner Rainey, 2-2, swung <laughs> on a missed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Racing Presidents Podcast. The Washington Nationals Podcast on NBC Sports Washington. I am your fill-in host today, Todd Divis. The two Tims are not with us because we are recording this podcast live in Las Vegas at the winter meetings uh, downstairs in the Mandalay Bay Hotel, near where all the media folks have been roaming around here the past few days. I don't know if roaming is the right word. More like running around like nervous <laughs> wrecks, a lot of paranoia, a lot of not head, a lot of fresh air. Heads down, texting and phones. Yes. I've had no fresh air. Yes. No. So, okay, I've made it a point, I think I saw you guys tweet this, right? maybe you know, Jorge, former, former NASB writer Jorge Castillo tweeted about mm-hmm. this, that uh, you guys haven't been outside since Sunday? Right. Saturday, we didn't, like, we didn't make a pact, but no. Yeah, no, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I have made it a, a, a point to like step outside every day. I mean, I did, you know, yeah. So That's I, probably I, why your Twitter feed's saying and mine is just full of absurdity. <laughs> I looked back and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so what you're hearing to my right is Paul <laughs> yeah. Collier of MLB.com, and to my left is Chelsea James of the Washington Post. And if you had heard some earlier podcasts that <laughs> I was a part of, you might have heard these two uh, during, during last season. So we are about two hours. Is it, has it been two hours since Dan was traded? Yes. Okay. I, I have no concept of time. No, I don't either. As, as we stated, we are not st- stepping outside at any point in our lives. Um, and all the light is false, and I think all the oxygen is also false. Uh, so we're trying to kind of keep our heads wrapped around everything that's going on here. But the Nationals made a very interesting move today when they t- traded Tanner Roark to the Cincinnati Reds for a AAA reliever. Uh, I was just talking to C. Trent Rosecrans, who covers the Reds, and was asking about what the Nationals received back and very hard throwing reliever, really good fastball, really good slider, not a lot of command, but if he gets it together, he's someone who prospectively could be at the back of the bullpen in due time. But right now, this is not due time for a Washington Nationals team that is worried about winning the World Series and just extracted a starter from their rotation. A guy who gives you 180 innings annually, the last two years, those innings haven't been as effective as they were previously. And also, Tanner just had kind of an interesting, he, he definitely had an interesting backstory to get to the Nationals, and then he had an interesting time once he arrived, um, especially when he was kicked to the bullpen after delivering a 2.85 ERA as a starter. So how did you feel about this trade, Tom? Yeah, and that didn't go over so well. So I have a lot of thoughts about this trade, as does Jamal and, and, and Chelsea, and as 
we are want to do as uh, baseball beat writers. We start talking about this even before we start recording something about it. We were just going over this a minute ago. So, Jamal, you were uh, a little divergent, I think, in your yeah. thoughts when, you're, when we were talking about this a minute ago. So, so tell us what you see here. So I completely actually understand the, the thinking behind this trade. And I think that, um, you know, Tanner Roark was with our, from arbitration going to make somewhere around $10 million next season. Uh, and when you look at that, and he basically, some of the guys had a four, yeah, right, over four, mm-hmm. three to past four seasons. And uh, basically the last two years has been for varying reasons, and you can, you can say you know, the World Baseball Classic or whatever, but has basically been up and down for two seasons at this point, and we're long way removed from what 2016 was. True. And I think that uh, with that in mind, Saying, looking at the going rate for those kind of back-end uh, depth rotation guys right now, and, and I think that seeing what Tyson Ross, for example, just signed with the Tigers for one year, $5 million, they're thinking that you can get a couple of guys, potentially, uh, or a guy to, at, at a cheaper price for Roark that might even have better production, I don't think is a, is a, is a bad one. And I think that the, you know, right now the rotation depth is going to be pretty thin, mm-hmm. um, but the season also doesn't start right now. And I think that you get the deal that you want for Tanner now, and still this has to be made with another move. They need to go sign another starter and probably even a second starter with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's still time for the to build a, a very good rotation um, and use that money with, from Tanner and use it for maybe one or even two good pitchers uh, to replace it. And the red flag for me initially, in, in a nutshell, is just the, the lack of depth for a team that yep. just went through this last season where they saw Steven Strasburg get hurt, basically an annual occurrence, and they saw someone else get hurt at the back end, and then they had someone struggle, and the rotation was a hot mess when it's usually a foundation for the team, especially in the division title season. So, Chelsea, A, what do you think of this move, but also, more importantly, kind of what do you see as next as a result of this move? I, I'm a little nervous about it. I think, you know, the thing, Tanner has, I looked up, he's like 10th, 10th most innings in the majors in the last three years, and the durability is crazy, as was Geo's. So now all of a sudden, yep. you, I mean, no, their rotation was not good last year, and I'm not arguing that Tanner Roark and Geo were the answer, but they ate innings. You knew they were going to go out there. And after a season in which that didn't happen for a lot of guys, like, can you replace Tanner Roark and Geo Gonzalez cheaply and be sure you're getting those innings, you know? And um, I, I think I like it conditionally. I like it if, if there's another move on the way. Does does Wade Miley make me think like this was a great move? Probably not. But like Jamal said, you can get a couple cheap veteran starters of that ilk and wait it out and see if you can get somebody bigger later. But um, yeah, I think it's, I get it. I get saving money. I also think there's been tension between Tanner and the Nats for a long time. And um, that doesn't seem to be something Mike Rizzo is tolerating anymore. So I think uh, you're either with us or against us. That's what I heard. Yeah. That's what I heard. So I, you know, I get it. I just, I don't think that uh, you know two kind of cheap veteran starters are the answer. But I also agree with Jamal that they don't have to be in December. Yeah, I, I don't think, at least I've not had this explained to me yet, that this seems like a cost-cutting move um, because I do think that the idea is they're going to take that money and, and reallocate it to, yes. to other players. Right. Um, and, and that's the thing is there. I just don't think that this is, this is obviously they had to add to the rotation anyway and this sticks it in more. Obviously, they're going to get another starting pitcher. Um, and yes, exactly what option that is, that's going to make whether or not you like, I mean, how much I do like this move, but I don't mind the thinking um, because I'm just not sure. Yes, Tanner Roark was throwing 180 innings and I think that is very, very valuable. You're talking about I think it was 10 guys or something uh, the last they've done it over the last three years it's a very short list that includes Max Scherzer Justin Verlander and I mean some of the best pitchers in the league um, so yes that's a very it's a tough thing to give up on one hand but at some point 
you know, when does 180 innings, uh, you know, become not valuable when those are not 180 good innings? Right. And I think that, you know, also the idea that you need a one pitcher to throw 180 or do you get two pitchers to throw 90? You know, or do we get, you know, do we find a Jeremy Hellickson and a somebody else and kind of use them in, in some kind of, I think there's other ways to be creative potentially with this. Um, and I'm not sure that Tanner Rourke was, he was a sure thing maybe for the innings, but I'm just, I, I'm just, I wasn't confident exactly what kind of production you were going to get from him next year anyway. And I think that parting ways with that a year ahead of time, uh, Again, I think is a chance to be a smart move. We're just going to go into Cincinnati and, and, and pitch two six. All right, yeah, right again, and I'll look like an idiot. <laughs> Another thing, though, it occurs to me as you say that is like there's sort of a cleanse happening. I think. Yes, and this um, is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, two new catchers, you know, new relievers. You know, you, you've, you've jettisoned Kinsler, Kelly, Tanner. Um, I saw Sean Kelly like an hour ago. Yeah, he's here. <laughs> he seems over it. He seems cool. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it's just it's interesting to me that sort of these personalities, that not that Tanner O'Rourke was a problem. He certainly wasn't. But the Nats didn't treat him well all the time, and he admitted that. He said there were times where he was pissed off. And I think yeah. right now it's, it, it isn't a cost-cutting measure. It's a reallocation of resources and – you know, what they've had hasn't worked. And now you've really turned over the roster in a substantial way um, and given Davey maybe more of what he's looking for personality-wise, versatility-wise. So I think it's it's a cleanse, and I think people are going to be uncomfortable, but what they had didn't work either. And, and I think that's a, that's kind of a good point, and kind of a larger point I've just been thinking about in general is that, you know, this is a team, and I think, Todd, we may have talked about this on a, probably at the start of the offseason, that... Um, this team is going to look probably a lot different in 2019 than the way it's looked over the last couple of years and especially last season. And I think part of that trying to replace Bryce Harper, you know, if he does walk, I heard the door on that is still <laughs> still open. <laughs> but it, it, right if Bryce Harper is, is gone, I think this team, you know, they didn't, they're not going to sign one guy to replace that 30 home run production. It's, you know, to replace Bryce Harper, that 405 win player, they look and say, all right, we want to pitch better. We want to play better defense. We want to be more athletic. We want to run the bases better and try to get personnel in here that can do that because what they had um, was limited in a lot of those kind of situations. So, uh, you know, Tanner and I might say, I guess it's kind of perfect for all this thing, but I think just in general, um, this roster is kind of being remade a little bit and kind of revamped. Um, I don't say on the fly because the offseason is time to do that, but they're trying to, re, you know, revamp this roster here to kind of make it a younger, more athletic team because that was somewhere that they, I don't think that was a strength of them last season at all. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a modernization of the roster is yeah. kind of how I would phrase it overall. But what, what we do know right now is that one of the few question marks they had on their roster was kind of the fifth spot and how that would work out in pitching depth. Now they have two question marks in the rotation and they need to go find solutions for that. Earlier today, the three of us were jammed in front of a 25 foot tall Christmas tree, also known as five Kirkjans, depending on your, your preferred measurement. Uh, Christmas tree had 10,000 energy efficient LED lights, had 2,240 ornaments. It took like a week to put up uh, 112 hours of installation with 14 decorators. This is and some deep dive reporting here. I know, thank you very much. I knocked off a couple of those ornaments when I got smushed in. <laughs> and then Scott Boris stood in front of it and took all the shine away. There it is. There's so the setup. There. We, uh, Can you read that on NBCSports.com? There's a chance I might have kind of extracted that from my story, yes. Um, so we, we did have Boris Palooza today in front of said Christmas tree. Uh, when we were all crushing each other and he was standing on an actual NBC Sports Washington equipment box um, to get above everybody uh, and there was it was it was quite the scene. Is he on your guys payroll? How do you guys provide him the <laughs> We're just you know we're just here to help Jamal. We're just here to help. So <laughs> 
we heard more than an hour of rollicking Scott Boris, this and that, and uh, much of it had to do with Bryce Harper. And then, when you, of course, when you listen back through, much of it doesn't mean anything. Um, we did talk about open doors again a little bit, which inevitable. Hashtag open doors for this off season, <laughs> I guess. And uh, there's a Game of Thrones uh, Hodor reference also. Yeah, came I got a couple of late. tweet responses. Yeah, that I out loud, yeah. yeah and, and we got into uh, nurses and thermometers and the New York Yankees. Man, um, was I nervous when he started that one? I was I like, where is the thermometer going? <laughs> When the nurse walks in the room with the thermometer, the issue is not the, what the thermometer says that day. The issue is what's the health of the patient when they're ready to leave the hospital. So, and they're not ready to leave the hospital yet. So there, there was a lot to digest there, but what I came away with was we kind of knew everything he told us today. I, I, was, I didn't feel too enlightened by his comments about Bryce or his comments about Anthony Rendon. Jamal, what do you think? Uh, you know, I think what we've kind of seen over the past, really all offseason, but especially lately, uh, um, his comments to me stood in kind of uh, contrast to everybody seems to be publicly downplaying their interest level in Bryce Harper. Right. Um, the Yankees are, and Brian Cashman is, is saying, why are you asking me about this? Right. Uh, the Phillies have, have kind of pivoted to Machado. We've heard the Cubs are saying they don't have any money to spend. The Nationals are saying that we think he's moving. You know, just, just been every team is keeps kind of saying, oh, yeah, Bryce Harper, we, you know, we don't need him. And, Little uh, market suppression seemingly going on. Yeah, and I think that Boris essentially is saying, well, we've had tons of meetings, and we have met with a bunch of teams, and we know their interest level, um, and these kind of teams just like to keep this thing close to the vest. Um, so, you know, it depends on kind of who you believe. And I think that um, there's, pro as, as usual, there's probably truth to kind of both levels. That I think that um, on one hand, I don't, I don't know if the market is, is as robust as they probably initially is assumed. Um, but I think there are some teams who are probably have real interest and are going to kind of push uh, kind of the price for this, this player that's going to probably get, you know, get paid the biggest contract in baseball history. So um, I think that was just the biggest, the biggest takeaway for me is that uh, everything he said was kind of a direct contrast to what we've heard about and around Bryce Harper probably in the past month or especially uh, to in the last month since the Harper's Bazaar uh, <laughs> uh, coin was dropped or whatever term was dropped or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea, you you were one of the few reporters actually within striking distance of Scott yeah. Boris. Thanks to all the, <laughs> thanks to all the uh, cameras that took up the space before a lot of folks showed up. Did you, did anything he say kind of resonate with you in any way, or did you feel like this is kind of what we were going to hear from him at this moment saying, hey, no, don't listen, as Jamal was saying, don't quite listen to the Yankees. They do, they do some stuff, and we'll still talk to the Nationals and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I learned anything either. I, I don't know who to believe, <laughs> and I think... I tend toward the teams at this point. I think what, only because a lot of people, you know, that we've encountered here seem to be concerned that that market isn't quite what it's been made out to be. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, if you care at all about Bryce Harper as a human, you, you prefer that he doesn't kind of become a casualty of Scott Boris's, you know, bravado in this way and, and sort of have to settle for something he didn't want. Um, when maybe something a little less would have would have made him just as happy, but um, you know who knows? I could be completely wrong, and, and the Yankees could sign him tomorrow. So, but I, you know, I think it it just strikes me that you know all along it was like Bryce is going to get this deal, but there was never like a clear fit. And now that it's here, you're like, wait, that, was this ever realistic? So, 
I'm, I'm kind of on the downer side of it, yeah. and I've been wrong many times before, and Scott Boris always seems to get his money. So, you know, what do I know? <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering if, like, we heard a little bit about the Chicago White Sox today, which to me would be an astonishing destination for Harper, considering they, have, they have no chance to win. Oh, oh that's true. Um, I think they that can't they pitch. are a team who they have uh, a lot of, I mean, they have a ton of prospects that are all somewhat close to ready, probably coming up the next season or two. Um, I think that they're in Chicago, which is obviously a city that we, we know he has, he likes. Um, and I also downplay a bit of the idea that players only go to teams that are ready to win. We've seen Robinson Cano go to the Mariners. We uh, take the, just the highest bit there. We've seen um, you know Zach Greinke and the D-backs were not good when, when he signed with them as a free agent. Um, and, and they, when you know, they were the Rangers, they they were they were okay. They were like they, 500 at the time. Yeah. And then to use a term that you use all the time, then they were trash. <laughs> then they became trash. The next three years uh, when yes. he was there, despite him playing very well. Yes, despite him being amazing. Yeah, they and finished uh, last uh, every year and their attendance went down three consecutive years. Yeah, but that's for a lot of different reasons, not sure. necessarily A-Rod's fault. Yeah, but Bryce, yeah, so but I'm saying Bryce has raised the franchise value <laughs> for the Nationals a billion dollars. I don't know if it But I'm mentioning that part of the equation because that's kind of what I'm using it as my, I would be surprised that he goes to the White Sox because yeah, there's a there's an exact model there of you can't rescue a baseball team by yourself as a hitter. Oh, hundred no, nice he, he absolutely can. And I think that sport. when you sign Bryce Harper, and, and I think that the Nationals and, and maybe Rizzo's kind of expressed this sentiment before, is that you know to allocate your money to that one player. And you know you heard about this recently as well. To allocate your money to one player, he can't be one fourth of your payroll. Or whatever mm-hmm. you have to then increase your payroll and surround him with other players uh, that that complement him. So yes, the, you know. That's a whole team building thing that you, you, if you're going to pay Bryce that kind of money, you need to also have a 200 or plus million dollar payroll uh, to be able to kind of surround him with talent. Um, so you know, I, I just, I just, I do buy that uh, that the White Sox could be a destination because I think that they present the right money and the right offer they're looking for, combined with the the prospects they have, the city they're in, um, and a team that has history that's, that's that's got a fan base that when a team is good that does show up. Um, I think that there's a lot of things there that you could like about the White Sox. To be honest. All right. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know if I'm buying it. I feel like I've, I've been the, the, the diversion. The, the Chicago uh, guy just delivered a <laughs> from the Chicago. Maybe it's less about the, the winning, though. It's like the profile. Could he really be in the, the guy with the dog named Wrigley? Be in, you know? but, but then yes. if you rescue them, you have a high profile. Uh, yeah. And was, yeah and Ryan exactly. Storff was a big about, name guy. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, so. and, yeah, and this is a team that, uh, you know, I, get, I think we talked before about, you know, in the Yankee, you'd be number 18 in the Yankees list of great players or whatever. Yeah. And the Dodgers, a similar thing. Where the White Sox, they've had some good players and they've had some success. There's a chance that if Bryce Harper goes and, and has a great career, he's the name or one of the yeah, couple true. names in that, in that, that franchise. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, so I... I, I I mean, I'm, one, I'm curious. Do you guys actually think he's going to end up with the the contract? Uh, you know, it's not that because I, I, I don't know how to tell if I feel about that. And it's like, will he get the? I don't know. I don't know what his exact terms yeah. are going to look like at, at this point. Um, but I still think there is a a really good argument. I, I'm always the pro Bryce. I feel like a person <laughs> on this on this of us three that um, that he should be. That I would if I was an owner of a team, whatever, I would pay him the largest contract or right. whatever it has to get to get alive. I would be the high bit probably on Bryce. I want it on the record that I'm not anti-Bryce. <laughs> right. I'm just anti-Bryce at $400 million. I, Yeah, I don't think he's going to get to $400 million. I'm anti-all humans at $400 yeah. million. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm not. I think that uh, the... the the, the again, from, using from the A-Rod contract and seeing how much revenues and how much the game has grown and looking at where... You know that contract would translate to today. That's, I mean, the crazy thing about the A-Rod contract was he was worth that money and more for that ten-year duration. Obviously, right. you opted out and then got it in. But again, A-Rod, 
<laughs> a lot of things were going on with him, but for that 10 year period, he produced or whatever it was he produced. And I think that, you know, whether or not Bryce Harper is a perfect player or not, um, a 26 year old with an MVP that has got a four or five win talent and could be still on the rise. Um, I'm not sure what other player could ever get that kind of money if this, these kind of players can get it. Can't yeah. Get it. And one thing about the A-Rod contract, he ended up with the 252, but he didn't get 252 because someone else was offering 250 and Texas is like, we're going to crack 250. Yeah. And so we're going to bring, right. bring him in. It was overzealous Tom Hicks. It's like, <laughs> yeah. um, woo, we're in Dallas and the winter meetings are here. <laughs> and right. I'm riding around with Scott Boris and bang. And yeah. here's 252 million magically doubling the highest North American sports contract in history previous to that, which was KG's $126 million. I don't find that as a coincidence, personally. Yeah. Um, and front office just of only got smarter right? right. And, so and I think that, yeah. I think you need a kind of a rogue owner situation for him to, to reach 400. This person, as we talked about, the, the market here seems to be pretty tight in total number of suitors, and we'll just see how much money they want to spend um, going forward. But what's very important here, before, before yeah. we go, is that Chelsea is leaving us which she is sick of talking about because we've been talking about it for a while <laughs> since it became public for everybody. Chelsea is leaving the Nationals beat after four glorious years, correct? <laughs> four. I don't know about glorious. <laughs> four glorious <laughs> years um, of covering the, the local baseball nine and <laughs> moving into the much lighter-hearted state of politics. Right. Uh, racing presidents. Yeah, racing presidents, sniping presidents. Um, and uh, going on to that in a little bit. So what we need to go over here is, I don't know, if we, in no particular order, five highlights. We're going to ask Chelsea for hi five highlights. She's mentioned some highlights since we've been here in Las Vegas. I don't know if those are the highlights she wants to mention now. <laughs> um, in the four years when you got here, whether it was something that made you feel awkward, I know that never happens, right. or something that you thought was funny or a behind the scenes story or whatever you whatever you prefer to indulge our audience with. What? Wasn't there something today I thought was like the funniest thing? <laughs> something was like the today, funniest thing I yesterday. ever seen. I don't know, I replace it every day. Yeah. I mean, my, the Nationals were lovely enough to like throw a happy hour and so we were all sitting there and I think like one of the, the Nationals front office people was like, what's your favorite Nats crisis in the last four years? And that was a fun trip down memory yeah. lane. Because um, there have been many. Like the, and we can all laugh about them now. But You I mean, voted Papillon Choke, right? Or yes. Was that, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, Papillon era. The Papillon <laughs> era was my answer. But the Papillon Choke was definitely a, I don't want to say highlight, but it was it's memorable. Um, that was a good one. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, we talked about the NLDS, uh, the Dusty. Oh, the Dusty um, and, and the Tanner starting game four. Yeah, cause speaking of Tanner. Before, Mold in the hotel. Right, because that was what it is. That, yeah, before that <laughs> yeah. Game, Well, because before the press conference, I literally sat there and said, like, because of course it was going to be Strasburg, yeah. and I literally turned around and was like, if... Tanner Roger starting tomorrow, everyone should be fired. And then Dusty got up there and said, Tanner Roger starting tomorrow. I was like, oh, God. And it's funny, I had written down, like, some, the Strasburg Shopper was sick, and obviously I ran a story here, but I had written down kind of just questions or whatever to follow up, you know, off mm -hmm. that. And, uh, and I just got all words Strasburg specific about sickness or coming back, blah, and then when he says, when Dusty says, we're going to start, we're going to go with Tanner Roar. I remember going, well, you don't have any questions. I don't have any questions. <laughs> <laughs> I was None of us had this. any questions. Yeah. <laughs> time out, time out. I'm trying to think what else. I don't yeah. know. 
what do you remember from your first day on the beat? What was your first day? Was it in spring training? No, my first day was Winterfest 2014. Okay. Um, so did you have to you know do, do the group sessions with everyone and then introduce yourself individually to yes, everybody as I they did. stepped away every And, like, time? for some reason, I ended up spending the most time introducing myself to people that were gone. Like, I think I, I remember, like, I was like, yes, Tyler Clippard knows my name, and then he was gone. <laughs> but I do remember the, the good part of that winter, or, like, the memorable part was I obviously was useless because I had never really met anyone and I hadn't got through a season, and, it was, and James Wagner was on the beat. And James goes to Nicaragua to see, I think, family. And so I'm like, okay, like, that's fine. It was late in the offseason. Like, what was going to happen? And all of a sudden, there's a mystery team in on Max Scherzer, and I don't know what to do. So I was, like, frantic. I didn't know who to call. I had I ultimately other people, you know, Barry Spillig and stuff handled it. But I, I've never felt so useless in my life. And I was like, James, really? Like, but uh, I remember that forever. I was like, gosh, I hope I don't feel this useless forever. And you know what? I only felt marginally less useless, but, <laughs> but there was progress made, yeah. yeah. Um, so it is Jane's Eats, the your infamous slash famous Instagram account, going to continue on? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring back the almond butter and... Almond butter sandwiches. Yeah. Right. That were always, as everyone else gorged themselves on a bunch of nonsense at the park. <laughs> right. And you carefully extracted your sandwich from the right. plastic there's baggy yeah. yeah there's perhaps <laughs> no greater contrast of me who like goes out of his way to walk <laughs> to center field or a shake shack or some <laughs> random you know burger or whatever the special the ballpark is and chelsea just has her own better sandwich that she eats right. every day yeah <laughs> jamal ordering his own pizza all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been we a did food. get pizza during the rain delay once that was fun hmm. yes <laughs> the, fun, the one fun rain delay. Yeah. That was the only fun rain delay. That was the only one. Lottery. If it sounds uh, like our lives aren't as shiny <laughs> as you folks may think they are, that may be because it's true. I think the highlight of the years, though, is the podcasting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I do want to say, I mean, Chelsea has been, has been a, you know, been here since my three years on the beat, and it's just been just a pleasure to kind of work with her every single day and kind of just see um, she is one of the, the best workers and, and, and hardest workers I've ever seen. Um, and it's just a well-deserved, uh, excited to kind of see what she goes through for the next thing. Um, I'm going to miss all our random Harry Potter chats and, and <laughs> right, random, uh, right. chats about uh, the Nets and just in Game of Thrones. And, and I'll be, yeah, I'll be yeah, texting yeah. her and blowing her phone up about this stuff anyway. But um, yeah, really, really excited to see kind of what she goes for. And it's going to uh, be weird in the press box and, and rain delays and things without her kind of sitting down the, uh, down the way. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. Really nice. I was Jamal, second that. I can't top it, so I'll just second it. Well <laughs> wow, said, thanks, Jamal. Guys. Agreed. That's really nice. I'm used to having to have like snarky comebacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, threw a curveball in the last day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. You deserve it. Best of luck. Please on your next me thing. Rain delays, please. <laughs> and we'll be, yes, we will be bothering you during rain delays while you're uh, traversing Iowa or whatever your future, whatever is in your future on that. Field response. <laughs> Excellent. So that will do it for this edition of the Race and Presidents podcast live from Las Vegas. Many thanks to Jamal. Many thanks to Chelsea. And again, best of luck to her as she moves to her new gig. Uh, we'll be back with you soon as we try to figure out why the hell did Tanner Ark just go to Cincinnati? <laughs> Thanks, Todd. Tim Shover's here with you. We close today with Todd's sit-down, his one-on-one with Scott Boris, Bryce Harper's agent, on the final day at the winter meetings in Las Vegas, Nevada. Scott, what was your reaction when you first heard what Mark Lerner said publicly on the radio about the Nationals' offer, and how did you hear about that, and how did you kind of absorb what was said there? 
Well, I, I haven't heard about it, but I've I've heard residents of it. And whenever I talk to Mark or talk to uh, Ted Lerner or Mike Rizzo, from our standpoint, is that their door is very open to us and our door is very open to them. And we've always had a great working relationship. We continue to do so and we'll you know, continue to have dialogue in this subject. Do you anticipate they will be able to kind of up that initial offer and stay competitive with other teams? In well, that I, I don't really talk about it. You know, I, I think the learners and Bryce are both collectively going to do what's best for them. And uh, I think that going into this situation in, in D.C., whether it be Max or Strauss or even the draft picks themselves, you know, we, we've had very productive uh, results and the franchise value has grown dramatically. The multi-billion dollar franchise, their attendance has gone up way back from when they started in the early 2010s. And so it's uh, the winning has been great and want to get, I'm sure they want to get to the higher levels, but for franchises that hope to aspire to where they are, I think it's all gone positively. So um, it's been a great working relationship with the Lerner family and the Nationals and Mike Rizzo. And, you know, for for those reasons, we, we just continue to talk and see where we can go. We knew for a long time that this was coming. This has been a topic for many, many years. Um, and then we saw Bryce on his final home game show up early, put his uniform on, kind of walk around and certainly express some sentimentality of the possibility of leaving Washington and that he was going to be stepping into this new thing and finally be a free agent. How do you think he's handled the whole thing emotionally and just kind of his mindset of going through this process? Well, I think when you're in Bryce's shoes, you, you, you just you have no way of really knowing um, how this is going to turn out. And uh, he has great regard for the organization, the Washington fans, his teammates. And, you know, when you there is certainly a potential where that day could come. It could be his last day wearing a uniform, and there's a potential that it could go on for, you know, the eternity of his career. So, uh, but I, I, I remember that day, and uh, I was there in Colorado as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and it's, uh, he cares a lot. He cares a lot about his history and the people he's worked with, and, and I think that sharing that with everyone was was very well done by his part. And do you have a specific meeting set up with the Nationals to kind of reconvene or not at this time? Um, this process is one where you come here for four days. You're not getting a lot of sleep. <laughs> so it was like your, your hotel room is a is a uh, uh, no different than Penn Station. So <laughs> you, you've got people coming in and out. Mm -hmm. People will call you at 1 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, let's get together and talk. Let's catch up. Let's let's do things. Um, you know, we did a deal last night with, with a club at 2 o'clock in the morning. So it, it is it is very common that you're always exchanging and doing things. And frankly, as this process goes, there's, there's always dialogue um, going on with the clubs, either to check in or to advance certain things. So it's not one where... Um, the doors are in any way closed really to anyone or anything because that's, I think, the most viable process that leads to the best result for everyone. And lastly, do you see an equivalence between Steven Strasburg's desire for an extension, something Mike Rizzo called player-driven at the time, and what Anthony Rendon is approaching here? Do you see those things as parallels or I, different? I, 
I haven't really discussed with Anthony what his intentions are. I know that that uh, he has instructed me to listen to anything and all that the Nationals want to propose and discuss. And once I receive that information, I'll forward it to to Anthony, and and then he and his family will make, let me know what to do with it.